less than 24 hours to the NBA trade deadline. Which Houston Rockets will still be here? What happens with John Wall? Will Eric Gordon still be on the roster? What about Christian Wood? And hey, What's going on over there in Brooklyn with James Harden and how all of that ties together and impacts your Houston Rockets coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. With the second pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep getting better every day. I'm going to keep perfecting my craft. And every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and also host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet online bet online has he covered this season with more props odds and lines than ever before bet online where the game starts as always appreciate you for making locked on rockets your first listen each and every day joining us now is none other than the pod father himself rockets wire editor ben dubose ben it is that wonderful magical time of year the rumor mill is churning out all kinds of crazy trade hypotheticals and after a lot of like silence you know not really a whole lot of movement we started getting these deals starting to pop up here and there and teams are making their moves and we are less than 24 hours away from the trade deadline and the rockets find themselves uh, at the forefront of a lot of really interesting hypotheticals with whether or not john wall is going to be in purple and gold after 301 p.m (laughs) eastern time whether or not James Harden will be a Brooklyn net past the trade deadline and how that impacts the Rockets with their stash of Brooklyn Nets draft picks down the line. It is, I I think this, the NBA trade deadline is one of the best times of any major sports league across all of the major ones, right? It's, it's so fun. For sure. And from a Rockets perspective, I'm honestly focused on the Brooklyn Philly drama more than anything. You know, it's fascinating because the Rockets have so many guys that could or couldn't be dealt. We'll see what happens with Eric Gordon, Christian Wood. We'll talk about that a lot. Maybe you get lucky with John Wall wearing purple and gold, as you said, although I think you have to take that as a bonus if the Lakers get that desperate to uh, include a first-round pick or a swap or something to entice you to uh, take Russ instead of Wall. But to me, I think it's important to sort of keep the right perspective. And with regards to uh, certainly Gordon, maybe Wood as well, the overall asset value pales in comparison to those Brooklyn picks. And the interesting thing about Brooklyn and Philly is that it's tough to say which way is better. You know, you can make an argument that Brooklyn keeping Harden and imploding over the summer and losing him for less if, or or losing him and getting less compensation for doing so, if not just seeing him outright walk, is a better scenario than having him traded to Philadelphia for Ben Simmons right now. The flip side, of course, is that if Brooklyn trades Harden by 2 p.m. tomorrow, they are not going to win an NBA championship in the near future. I feel pretty confident in saying that. So that gives you a much higher floor for those picks. Whereas if they keep Harden, no matter how remote, there is a chance that, hey, they have three of the most talented players on earth in Durant, Harden, and Kyrie, and maybe somehow the stars align. We've seen this happen before, where a lot of really talented teams start to, you know, in the regular season have issues, and then all of a sudden in the playoffs when the lights are bright and they fully buy in, that you know they're able to move past some of those things. Do I expect that to happen? No. 
But at the same time, as long as they have the big three, it is theoretically possible. So I can't even tell you which way is 100% better for the Rockets in terms of do they trade him to Philly or do they keep him and try to somehow salvage things moving forward and get him before he's a free agent this summer. But at the end of the day, with all those future picks and swaps, that's what I'm monitoring the most because either way, that's going to be the biggest variable impacting the Rockets. Maybe Christian Wood, if you believe that he's capable of fetching multiple first-run picks, although I tend to think that you'd probably have to take back a bad contract like maybe Duncan Robinson from Miami if you wanted to get multiple firsts, something along those lines. Eric Gordon, you know, your best case, you're looking for maybe one pick. So while I am following those storylines, it's a little bit similar to, you know, the Oladipo stakes last year. And earlier this week, for example, when Karis LeVert uh, ended up getting the late first and an early second when Indy sent him to Cleveland, there was this huge sort of referendum on Rockets Twitter about, well, what does this say about the trade that the Rockets made or the subcomponent of the Harden trade of uh, Levert for Oladipo? And I said, well, you know, they probably did lose it. But in the grand scheme, what you have to remember is that it's a pretty small proportion of what that deal was about, which is the enormous haul of assets, uh, picks and swaps, first round that is, from the Brooklyn Nets. And so what happens with James Harden over the next uh, 20 hours or so. We're recording this just before 6 p.m. on um, Wednesday afternoon. And to me, that's what I'm focused on the most because the stuff involving the Rockets, it, you know, would I like to see them get better assets for the rebuild? Yes. But in terms of the grand scheme, what does maybe one or two late first-run pick really do for you? I mean, it helps, but it's not going to materially change your outlook that much. On the other hand, what happens with Brooklyn and Philly absolutely could. That could have huge consequences. I think if Brooklyn trades him, it raises the floor of those picks. Potentially, it lowers the ceiling. Of course, the reverse has almost the opposite effect. There's a scenario where they blow up entirely. There's a scenario where, um, you know, somehow they salvage things, and then they end up in the 20s, like everyone on NBA Twitter thought this time a year ago. Um, but the bottom line, that's what I'm following the most. To me, that's, you know, I'm trying to keep it in the right perspective. And to me, the resolution of the James Harden-Brooklyn standoff is the biggest thing from a Houston Rockets perspective entering trade deadline day. Oh, 110%. Couldn't agree more. Like, yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Moving Gordon, moving Wood, like some kind of action on the direct trade front for the Rockets. Yeah, that'd be exciting. And, you know, you're maybe mm. clearing up some space for for the younger guys on the roster. And we'll talk about some of those possibilities and kind of the the shakings and rumblings around the NBA uh, regarding Wood and, and Gordon in segment two. But you know, Ben, I, the more that I look at this, right, there's, I think there's kind of a third path here. And this is what I'm most afraid of with the Brooklyn situation is, right, there's the path of, okay, James Harden's going to stay and then maybe mm -hmm. he walks this summer. And you're like, okay, yeah. great. That's, that's best case scenario for the Rockets. Then there's the path of, oh, okay, you know, Brooklyn gets cold feet. They, they say, you know what, we got to deal him now because we're afraid he's going to walk this summer. We're afraid we can't salvage the situation. It's crazy. What have, what have you? Yeah. So they deal him for Simmons and, you know, other players, whatever, and they they try to salvage a, a big three of Kyrie, uh, Simmons, and Kevin Durant. And that's still a, a solid big three, honestly. It's not as good as the one with Harden, but it's still, you know, formidable in, in the Eastern Conference. Although keep in mind the vaccine mandate for Kyrie. That is a very good point. So if that doesn't get lifted, then yeah, like there's there's still a lot, a lot going on, a lot of dysfunction with that Nets team. But here's the third one, and this is the one that worries me the most. James Harden stays, and they figure out a way to sign and trade him this summer rather than him just walking for nothing. He manages to get signed, you know, moved. And so the mm -hmm. Nets don't actually walk away with nothing. And that's kind of a third scenario that I don't think enough people are giving. I think people have it painted as this black and white picture where mm -hmm. if Harden stays, it means he's gone if they don't win at all in, in the summer. I mean, it could mean he's gone still, but 
I, if you're the Brooklyn Nets at that point, if James Harden's trying to walk away in the summer, you're going to try and do everything you can to get some kind of return for him. Very similarly to when Kevin Durant decided that he was going to be leaving the Warriors and they were able to leverage that into the, uh, the, what was it? The, uh, D'Angelo? No, why am I saying? Is it, was it D'Lo? Yeah, it was, was D'Lo. Yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah, it was D'Angelo Russell to the Warriors, and then the Warriors were able to flip D'Angelo mm -hmm. Russell into Andrew, Andrew Wiggins, Wiggins, who is now you know a quality player. Starter, and, Andrew Wiggins. and they picked up you know they picked up draft compensation, and they they you know picked up assets for doing that for helping the Brooklyn Nets, who out wouldn't have been able to, I don't mm -hmm. think, outright sign Kevin Durant at the current time. So that's kind of a big worry of mine is if James Harden stays, I don't think it automatically guarantees that he's going to walk this summer for nothing if they don't win it all. No, and there's also the opt-in and trade route like Chris Paul in 2017. And I think that exactly. financially maximizes his earning power for the next year. And I think he could sign an extension off of that if he wanted to. So, yeah, I agree with you. The odds of him truly walking for nothing, that's sort of a rose-colored glasses scenario. Now, I do think it's probably better in terms of you know leverage. The Nets would have even less in the summer because theoretically he could walk somewhere for no compensation, whereas he can't now. So I do think the assets they get in a trade would be a little bit less than they'd probably get tomorrow with you know Simmons plus whatever else they can extract from the Sixers. But I don't think it's as night and day as Twitter makes it out to be in terms of well they can get all this stuff now or they can literally get nothing in the summer no i agree with you they would get something i don't think it'd be quite as much as they get tomorrow but it's something it's not irrelevant and that's why i'm sort of on the team of you know what let's just get him out while you can break up this window in which you know when the rockets made that trade we didn't know how long it would last but brooklyn looked like a title contender let's end brooklyn status as a title contender that's what happens if Harden gets moved tomorrow and then worry about everything else later. Because as we've talked about before, maybe KD ends up asking out once it becomes clear that Brooklyn has a ceiling and maybe that 45 to 50 win range. It isn't really a title contender anymore. There's a number of ways that it could go. But yeah, you know, the rosiest of all scenarios for the Rockets is that Harden walks for nothing. Yeah, I don't really see that, especially because Philly in the short term, at least in terms of a one year scenario, still remains the most likely option I think he'd go to or try to go to this summer. So either way, you'd be talking about a lot of the same players, a lot of the same returns, a lot of the same financial mechanisms to make it happen. So that's why I'm sort of on the fence of, you know, I could, you know, I understand no, no, Ben, no, no fence. They need to trade for Ben Simmons. There is no fence here. Yeah. That is, yeah, that okay. Is, then I think that I is, thought I think about it. I've gone back and forth, but yeah, yeah, I hope he gets traded now. Just, you know, let's get him off the nets. Let's secure those nets picks having a much higher floor than mid to late 20s, like everybody thought. And then we'll see what happens after that. Exactly. I'm glad I've, I'm glad I, I brought you over to the dark side because at first people were like, no, this is terrible. It's going to ruin the rocks, rockets picks because the nets are going to be good for yeah. much, much longer instead of the big three aging out and all that. And I'm like, no, no, no. Dysfunction within the nets organization yeah. is good. And that's exactly Let's take the big step and then is. we'll see what happens after that. Exactly. So keep your eyes on that rolling into the NBA trade deadline. Coming up, we're going to actually talk some Rockets trade deadline stuff with Gordon and Wood. We're going to get there in just a moment after a quick message from our friends over at Bet Online. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the playoffs right to the big game right around the corner. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live, real-time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. BetOnline, where the game starts.
And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Appreciate you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen each and every day. We're talking NBA trade deadline right now on this podcast, and we're also going to have a live trade deadline show on the Locked on NBA YouTube channel from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern time. Be sure to tune in. If the Rockets make a trade, you know I'm going to be there to break it all down. Continuing on with Ben DuBose, the podfather himself. Check out all of Ben's amazing work over at Rockets Wire, uh, part of USA Today Media Group. Now, Ben, Christian Wood, Eric Gordon are the two names with the most buzz around them surrounding the Houston Rockets. And unfortunately, some of these suitors for Eric Gordon are now off the board, right? So we've got the Cavaliers off the board with the Karis LeVert trade. We've got the Utah Jazz off the board now as a team that was rumored to be potentially interested in acquiring Eric Gordon after they've decided to reportedly be lumped into the uh, trade with the Portland Trailblazers and the New Orleans Pelicans, Mm -hmm. taking back in Nikhil Alexander-Walker by sending out Joe Ingles and some draft compensation. So that's yet another team off the board. I I, I truly wonder, I'm kind of resigned at this point, that I don't know if Eric Gordon's really going to get moved. Yeah, I don't know either. The Rockets have been pretty insistent that you know, it's less likely than likely that he'll get moved despite, you know, all of Twitter trying to push them in that direction. And that's where, you know, I do push back a little on some of the talk you're seeing about how, well, you know, they said last year that they had a first for Oladipo. And of course, what they really had was a pick swap that ultimately is not even going to convey, although that's not their fault. That's Brooklyn just falling apart, which no one saw coming at the time. Actually, it was not an irrelevant asset. Uh, The pick swap they got from Miami and the Oladipo trade. This is not like that. They've said that they have, you know, offers, including a first round pick. But, you know, if you read the leaks, they have actually been pretty clear that they're not necessarily going to accept that, that, you know, they want to pick that's further off in years, less protections. Now, what I would push back on is let's say there are they're offered a pick in the last 10 of the 2022 first round. Why couldn't you do what, for example, we see the Patriots do a lot in the NFL, you know, push back a year, sell that to somebody else and just, you know, even if you have roster spot concerns this year, then you can just sort of trade that asset back for a 2023 pick and so on and so forth. If you feel the need to to do that again next year with a contender, I know that's not a guarantee, but, you know, on paper, I would think that's possible. So. You know, I wouldn't completely foreclose that path. But, you know, if you read what they've said, they have not said we are going to trade Eric Gordon and we have a first round draft pick. No, they've made it clear that, you know, they have that offered, but they are not for sure going to do it. And maybe it's leverage, but also maybe they're telling the truth. So I don't agree that it's the same as the Oladipo situation because with Oladipo, it was clear with him being about to be a free agent, they had to get something. They could not risk him leaving for absolutely nothing. And, you know, they said they had something, told the fan base and basically told the NBA community uh, about leverage they didn't have, uh, used Woj for that leak the day before the 2021 deadline. This is not the same. So at this point, I'm inclined to believe that there could be some truth to it. With that said, there are some teams I'm watching the Suns. I'm also watching the Sixers, by the way, if the Sixers don't get hardened or maybe even if they do, because if the Sixers get hardened, they're probably going to have to trade guys with Ben Simmons. So you need to replenish some of that depth. They have Danny Green's contract at like 10 million. I believe he's an expiring. Uh, He might go into next year, but if he does, it's not beyond 2023 at the latest. And then, you know, from there, it's not a very big gap between Danny Green's 10 million and Eric Gordon's 18 to make the math work. Maybe you get Jaden Springer. uh, Maybe you get a a pick from Philly and they're a team that, you know, Doc Rivers said after last night's game that they need another guard. Eric Gordon could be in play there. Certainly the Lakers need to do something and maybe they're not aggressive enough to go after John Wall, but maybe, 
you know, they're able to do something involving a pick. And uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, who I don't think the Rockets would want, but in the past there's been other teams that have wanted them. Maybe there's a third team scenario. So, I, you know, Eric Gordon's such a, a quality two-way player. Uh, I have a tough time, you know, ruling out a trade. But I do think that some of the people that I can see starting to get upset about the possibility of not moving him – uh, you know, you could certainly argue that maybe this is the right time to maximize that asset with him being 33 years old and the Rockets in a rebuild. But this is not the same thing as a year ago in terms of the Rockets sort of promising a bill of goods that that they didn't have uh, this year. They have not said they've been pretty insistent that they're not necessarily going to move him. It's going to take a strong package. I still hope and think that one may come through at the last minute. But if it doesn't, you go back and read the quotes. It's not like they lied to you. Now, with that said, I tend to think that at 33, you know, if he's valued properly, they should deal him. But at the same time, look, you do have to respect the fact that we can point to his three-point shooting, his defense, all the attributes that he brings. But if the market doesn't value him in that way for one way or another, his age, his injury status, you know, the Rockets can only deal with the hand that they're dealt. They can't control, you know, what the market values him at relative to Karis LeVert. So even if we sit here and say Gordon's a way better player than Karis LeVert and a way better difference maker, if NBA teams think LeVert is better, there's only so much the Rockets can do. I mean, in this case, perception can be more important than reality when it comes to how NBA GMs uh, value these players. So some of this is outside of their control. And I do think there's a point, by the way, in which, you know, if the offers are so low, I do want to reiterate, they do not have to deal Eric Gordon. Like before Cleveland went off the table, you know, Bima Thog, uh, David Weiner pointed out that they could theoretically offer the Houston second, which would be, you know, probably like 33, 34 in the order, and was asking, you know, would you do that? And the more I thought about it, I say no, because number one, you can probably buy a pick somewhere in the 40s in the second round. We've seen that happen before. And, uh, you know, Secondly, there is value to keeping Eric Gordon, not just from the standpoint of, you know, him being a good basketball player and the fact that I do think he's a good influence for the younger guys, his spacing, his defense. You know, clearly his impact on the floor is important. We've seen what the Rockets have looked like the last two games without him. And that stat keeps going out there on Twitter for good reason about how terrible the Rockets are when Gordon does not play this season. The numbers don't lie there. But I think... You know, the other thing to keep in mind, he's also a useful matching salary next year when he's expiring. So at some point, the offers are so low that I think you do say, hey, whatever value he has as a stabilizing force for the young guys and in terms of, you know, what he means for them with his spacing and his defense on the court and then what he can potentially do as a $20 million uh, expiring that can help you match salary over the next year, that is more important than, say, a late draft pick. Now, I don't know if it's more important than a late first-round draft pick, but I mentioned that just to sort of set the framework for, you know, it just like there's some people on Twitter that are just saying, hey, let's just deal it now, get whatever we can get, and just be done with it because you're never going to get more. And it's not quite that simple. There is some value. It's not a ton, but there is some value, even in the Rockets' rebuilding situation, to keeping him. And so that's why if the offers aren't there, and again, the Rockets can't control what those offers are, there is a point in which I'd say, you know what, let's just – roll over, you know, Eric Gordon for the remainder of this year and the summer and see what happens. Now, the one way I disagree with them, I would, you know, if push came to shove, if they do have a first round offer, I do think that I would take it, even though they have the roster spot uh, constraint situation. I do think, you know, you could eventually turn that 2022 pick into a 2023. Later on, you could sell that asset and just keep rolling it over the Patriots NFL analogy. But, um, you know, my... My read is that there's an, at least a defense at a certain point where you could make a case that, you know, you shouldn't just trade him no matter what.
No, I'm, I'm absolutely there with you. I really think that if we're trying to order this in, in levels of like my preference mm-hmm. for what we see the team do, I would go any any level of a future first round draft pick, which at this point, you know, we unfortunately don't know if a future first is on the table 2023 or beyond for Eric Gordon. I'd be I'd be quite doubtful if there was one of those type of first round draft picks on the table currently for Eric Gordon, just because so much can change in the blink of an eye in the NBA landscape and a team willing to deal a further out draft pick than that. I mean, there's very few organizations that you can comfortably say, oh, yeah, we're definitely going to be like you know, top tier contenders next season, guaranteed no issues. And they'd be that comfortable sending out a 2023 first for EG this season personally. So if there's one of those on the table, I think that's priority. Number one, you got to get that. But for all the points that you alluded to just now, I think there is a lot of, you know, validity in keeping Eric Gordon as a stabilizing force, as a potential Mm -hmm. expiring contract, as somebody you can match money with in an outgoing trade next season, all these different variables that we don't always oftentimes consider because it's very much, I think, uh, you know, at times NBA fans and Rockets fans are very much like instant gratification. Like, give me, give me, give me. I want want some kind of immediate, like, satisfaction for trading this guy. I don't want to think about, you know, the what-if scenarios down the line or how this could potentially play out down the line. Very similar to the Christian Wood stuff that we've discussed, which is, you know, considering the fact that his bird rights could be a a very valuable asset part of, of what he is as a player down the line if he's not dealt at this trade deadline. Yeah, for sure. I think, um what you're seeing in the NBA with this trend towards star players like James Harden, not making it to free agency, basically forcing and bullying their way out uh, before they get to the true free agent market. You're seeing a lot of teams that basically aren't prioritizing max cap space other than for true, you know, franchise level players that get to free agency. And that's rare these days for the reasons that we were just um, elaborating. That's just not the trend. So what ends up happening a lot of the times is that, you know, the good but not great tier of players, which Christian Wood is in, those teams are getting, or those players are getting squeezed because in the past, you could always count on a team with max room that did not land the franchise guy. They'd have money, you know, basically burning a hole in their pocket and they'd want to spend it and they'd overpay someone like Christian Wood. Now there's less of that going around because more teams are realizing that, you know, less of these true franchise guys are making it to free agency. So, what that means is that the bird rights for a team with a guy like Wood are more important. So whether the Rockets keep him themselves or if they trade him in the summer, I don't think that even if he's in the last year of his contract, and I don't think that's a guarantee, you know, uh, Jake Fisher said in his um, podcast on, I believe it was the Apollo Launchpad, that, you know, right now Wood would have less value than John Collins, which would suggest, you know, Collins, basically he was saying that if Wood could get a deal in like the 18 to $20 million a year range, that you know he would consider himself or should consider himself lucky well that's what the rockets can extend him for this summer or a team that trades for him you can get like four years 76 million basically the 2019 numbers so maybe you know he doesn't even make it free agency at all maybe you can extend him but the point is the max market for christian wood is not going to be there that appears to be increasingly clear for a number of reasons including limitations of his play that you know we've seen and everybody in rockets twitter talks about ad nauseum so i don't think oh my God, Wood going into his expiring year is all that terrifying to the Rockets where they keep him or they intend to uh, move him later. So I just don't think that they really feel pressure to deal him. Uh, I do think they like the fact that he wants to be in Houston, although that's certainly not going to, you know, just because guys want to be here, they're not going to 
make a decision based on that. You know, the flip side you can point out is that the, you know, the Woods Shingun minutes of late have been eh, not great. Um, some of it, of course, uh, I think with Jay Sean Tate, the spacing is a nightmare. I'd love to see what it looks like with Garrison Matthews and Eric Gordon, uh, you know, helping to space the floor instead of Jay Sean Tate. But the point is long-term, you know, that's a sort of mixed results. You know, you take Wood and Shingun as a bonus. You certainly shouldn't plan on it. So that maybe tipped you to moving him at some point, but I don't think it has to happen at this deadline with that said and you know we may get into this into the third segment because i know you want to talk about you know scenarios what's going to happen and what's not i am watching miami the move that caught my, my eye today um was that deal with the thunder where as part of the transaction it was first for a second round draft pick but then they got the terms on that future first round pick loosened basically enabling them to trade either their 2022 or 2023 first round pick because they know that, uh, you know, they have more certainty on that pick that's owed to the Thunder. So the Heat have been linked to Christian Wood over the past month. Uh, Jake Fisher mentioned it again today in one of the uh, video things that he did. So I'm keeping an eye on that. It would not shock me if Miami tried to get in the game on Christian Wood. And I don't know if you caught it, but Jonathan Fagan did a podcast last night with the Chronicle, and he mentioned that he actually saw a Wood deal as slightly more likely than a Gordon deal, which sort of, you know, made me raise my eyebrow a little bit and gets back into what we were saying a few minutes ago about why a Gordon deal, at least at this point, you know, you should take the Rockets at their word that they're not necessarily going to trade him. And of course, Fagan was not saying he expects Wood to be traded. He was saying less likely than likely for both. But for, you know, at first glance, you'd think that, hey, the 33-year-old um, may have more incentive to be moved than the 26-year-old. But at the same time, it's not just about your incentive. It's also about what the market is willing to pay. And for various reasons, uh, Christian Wood might have more asset value than Eric Gordon. And if then you know, it's more sense to move Wood and keep Gordon as the stabilizing force who maybe is a better fit with your young rookies anyway. And then you have the matching salary next year anyway. So I guess that's just what I would sort of urge Twitter on this situation is just take, you know, you, you have to remember that there's two sides of the fence. It's not just what makes the most sense for the Rockets. It's also what makes the most sense in the context of the market. No, 100%. Absolutely. And I, you know, I, I think it's funny that, you know, long ago, we, you and I discussed, you know, the ability of potentially for the Rockets way back when we were fretting over whether or not the Rockets would keep their draft pick with the Oklahoma City Thunder about what would you give up in a deal to the Thunder to try and remove some mm -hmm. of the uh, yep. protections or, or, you know, whatever on that draft pick to, to, you know, reduce the chance of it falling and uh, conveying to the OKC Thunder, how much would you be willing to give up? And that's exactly the yeah. type of move that we saw the Miami Heat just make, which allows them to kind of be players with either their 2022 which, or 2023 first round draft pick now to try and bolster their roster. Which to me suggests that they are going to do something. I know they technically don't have to do it by the deadline, but look, the East is way more wide open than most of us thought with Brooklyn falling apart, as we talked about leading off this podcast. Pat Riley is not getting any younger. I think he sees an opportunity. This is a year that they can really, you know, truly make a championship push. Jimmy Butler is not getting any younger either. And so I could see them having the incentive, you know, they could roll over into the summer, but, you know, with Jimmy uh, Butler and Pat Riley, I think there's an incentive to do something now. And with the Rockets, I would listen. You know, I know a lot of people on Rockets Twitter recoil at uh, Duncan Robinson. I would actually, you know, push back a little. I'm not saying I would want Duncan Robinson. Let's not get crazy. But I think some people sort of compare him to with the contract to Ryan Anderson just superficially. And I think that's exaggerated. Uh, for starters, Ryan Anderson was paid $20 million a year in 2016. Duncan Robinson is, at, I think, like 18 a year 
um, five, six years later. So in terms of not just the raw number, but a proportion of the cap, if you're actually comparing Duncan Robinson to Ryan Anderson, it's more like what if Ryan Anderson at the time made 14 or $15 million, which would still be a big deal, but it would not be you know, the albatross that Ryan Anderson felt like to Rockets fans. And I think that's why, you know, Houston fans sort of recoil at the notion of Duncan Robinson. The other thing I would point out, look, I mean, he's for his career, a high volume three point shooter at nearly 41%. Uh, At six foot seven, he's versatile enough to play a lot of different positions. Certainly not great defensively, but not like a huge liability either. There's a reason he starts from one of the best teams in the league in Miami. And, you know, as far as his salary, Look, the next two years are irrelevant. We know that Houston's timeline, they're not really going to make a push until the 2023 offseason at the earliest, you know. So this year and next year, it's kind of like a sunk cost. And in terms of, you know, where the Rockets are, maybe this is the time that you should be considering taking on a bad contract in exchange for assets. Like if you take Duncan Robinson, whose contract is an ass, uh, a negative asset, maybe that helps you to get, uh, you know, two first-run picks for Christian Wood. And Robinson, you know, I don't think he's going to hurt your young core. It's one of those guys, he doesn't take a ton of touches. He can space the floor. And, you know, in a couple of years, his contract only have two or three years left on it, making about $18 million a year. He'll be, he still won't be 30 years old at that point. So while he'd be overpaid, I don't think it'd be terrible. You know, if you need to move him for flexibility in 2023, he basically on the same deal that Eric Gordon is now, you know, slightly under $20 million a year. You know, he's overpaid, but I don't think it's terrible. I don't think the Rockets the next couple of years desperately need to worry about, you know, every last dollar that they're spending. So I would be open to that if it could get the Rockets two first-round picks. Now, I wouldn't do it without the two first-round picks because – I do think uh, Robinson's asset, at least at this point in time, uh, Robinson's contract is an asset at this point in time. And, you know, I don't think the Rockets should be so desperate to trade wood that they just take one first from a bad team like Miami. But if you can get two picks and maybe one of them is later on and not all that protected, that's the kind of thing that I would consider. And, you know, I mentioned Miami just because other than maybe Charlotte, I know the PJ Washington thing has been floated. That could be an option as well. But we're getting so down in the hours. I don't know how many teams are truly in the market, but. Yeah, Miami is the one that we know has been linked to Wood for the last few weeks, and they made a trade today that strongly suggests, in my opinion, that they are going to be aggressive going after someone at the deadline. And to me, while you know, I wouldn't say, oh, I want to get Duncan Robinson, I'm just saying I don't view that contract quite as much as, uh, you know, as an albatross as a lot of people on Rockets Twitter seem to. No, definitely, definitely not. And I think one more point to throw in on Duncan Robinson, he's a mobile shooter. Ryan Anderson was never a mobile shooter. Like Ryan Anderson was very much a stationary. You're going to park him in one spot and he's going to occupy that space on the floor, stretch the defense. Cool. Duncan Robinson's a guy that can run off screens, curl around. You run him baseline routes, like all that kind of stuff. He is a mobile shooter. And that's something that we've seen out of one Gary Bird on this roster, just how much that unlocks within your offense. But I want to get into some final thoughts on the deadline coming up here in just one moment after a quick message from our friends over at rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's basically impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that your car needs. You can save time and money when using rockauto.com. Why choose, why on earth would you choose to spend up to 30, 50, or even 100% more for the exact same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Like, look, for example, A Honda Odyssey fuel pump is $353 from a chain store. It's only $216 from Rock Auto. Plus, Rock Auto is a family business that's been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. You're always going to get the most reliably low prices anywhere on the market. They've got everything that you could possibly need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even brand new carpet. So go explore their easy-to-use website right now, today, to find the solution for whatever you need for your car or truck. 
And this is a really important part. When you go to checkout, when you hit the little shopping cart icon in the top right of the website, be sure to write locked on in there. How did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Be sure to visit rockauto.com. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, appreciate you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen each and every day. For your second listen, be sure to check out Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. Free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Wrapping up our final thoughts, rolling into the NBA trade deadline. We've talked uh, quite a bit about Eric Gordon, quite a bit about Christian Wood. I do agree. I think the Miami Heat are the team to probably watch for Christian Wood with maybe a dark horse sleeper team being the uh, Charlotte Hornets at this point. But Ben, there's one more guy here on the Rockets. And I know this one's kind of just potentially a Hail Mary, if anything, but I am leaning closer and closer to the way that the LA Lakers look at this yeah. point. I cannot get away from the fact that I think that they are, they have to deal Russ. I, I yeah. he, he has been, he has now been benched for the third time in as many weeks down the stretch of a close game, and I I can't imagine a scenario where the Lakers are able that that situation is is no longer tenable. It just yeah. does not work, and there's not another team that is suited to take Russell Westbrook back for for anything. And there is potentially a compromise that you can reach, even if they draw a hard line on that 2027 first round pick. To me, a pick swap in 2026 or 2028, well, I guess it'd need to be 2026, could be really useful because you could sort of hedge that against the um, the Brooklyn pick that you have in that year to sort of mitigate the downside that even if Brooklyn somehow is a good team by that point, well, maybe the Lakers with LeBron being into his 40s and hopefully retired by that point, uh, maybe they're bad instead. So you know, even if they draw a hard line on 2027, but yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I think it could come together. You know, I'm not a stop short of like outright predicting it, but I think it's easier to, you know, it's easier to see it than maybe some of the Gordon deals that we've talked about, uh, you know, cause that takes a lot of negotiating with something like um, wall and Russ. And it's the same way with the Harden trade, the forces that would lead to that. In this case, as you said, the dysfunction with LA, the losses continuing to mount and the frustration with uh, LeBron James that's clearly rising. We'll see what happens when they play Portland tonight. W worth um, noting, I, I just want to throw this in here. The game that we are referencing, the third game in which Russell Westbrook was benched, a just blowout loss to the Milwaukee Bucks. LeBron James postgame wore a hat to the postgame presser that said, awards mean nothing. Yeah. And if that is not a subtle shot at Russell Westbrook, then I don't know what is. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> and um, or, you know, not even a subtle shot, a not so subtle yeah. shot at Russell Westbrook. Well, and what I would say about it is just that's one of those things that honestly, the Lakers would call up the Rockets at like 1.30, 30 minutes before the deadline, and they could still hammer this out. It's the same way as the Harden deal. You know, the forces that would prompt that. It's not really about how, well, if we get maybe one extra second round pick, then we'll go over and just this intense negotiating. No, it's about whether the team feels leveraged enough to do it. So even if there aren't rumors, that's one of the true ones where all it takes is one phone call and the forces are in motion where the Lakers say, hey, we'll give up you know, whatever incentive, be it a 2027 first or a 2026 swap, whatever it may be. And it can get done, you know, snap your fingers in a matter of minutes. Like, that's how quickly it can come together. It's not like the Eric Gordon or Christian Wood. You know, those players, they're more mid-tier. There's a lot of, um, 
you, you know, negotiating, like we we're talking about the scenario, hypothetically, you know, you take back the negative asset contract of uh, Duncan Robinson. By the way, I got distracted, but I meant to mention another negative asset to Duncan Robinson is his podcasting career. He could take some listens to you that, <laughs> um, you know, we've needed a podcaster since Daniel House Jr. got out of the business. But um but, but yeah, so there's that with Duncan and, um, it, you know, the fact, oh, by the way, one other Duncan Robinson pro thing that I'm trying to talk myself into this, but, you know, Ryan Anderson, before he came to the Rockets, had a couple of uh, neck slash back surgeries, which I think contributed to him aging out more quickly than a lot of guys would. No injury history with Robinson, so that's why I'm open to it. But the point is, when you're talking about guys like Christian Wood and Duncan Robinson, when you're talking about Eric Gordon, maybe going to the Lakers, the Sixers, maybe the Suns, if they finally put that first-run pick on the table, which according to Jake Fisher in the last hour I'm reading on my phone, they still have not done. You know, that takes a lot of negotiating. But the John Wall, Russell Westbrook-type trades or the James Harden, Ben Simmons, that can come together literally at the last minute when the GM just says, you know what, F it. I feel so pressured. I've just got to do this for one reason or another because the terms basically write themselves. It's not about trying to maximize asset value. It's just about saying, hey, I've got to get out. I need my parachute. And yeah, I agree. I don't think it's better than 50-50, but I think it's even greater than it was you know, Friday. I think the way that Knicks game Saturday night ended for the Lakers and certainly uh, last night as well, it's made it to where while I won't go over 50-50, it's not trivial either. It's definitely possible. It's one of those moves where Rob Palinka will have exhausted every other possible uh, possible avenue yeah. offering the 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 THT none you know, 2027 first with protections on it, poo-poo platter to every other team in right. the league before finally dialing up Rafael Stone and saying, All right, man, I give we gotta do the swap. Like I I cave, right? And he does that at you know 15 minutes before the deadline. But with that, I think we've covered all of our major bases rolling into the deadline. Ben, it is time. We are going to cast our final ballots as to which Rockets we think will stay versus which Rockets will be moved come the deadline. So we're going to go through this kind of rapid fire here. Uh, let's start. Gut, so just gut feelings, whether or not they're going to stay or be moved. Eric Gordon, still a Rocket after the deadline or moved? Close, but stay. I'm also there. I'm going to go close, but stay. All right, next up, Christian Wood. I'm going to be risky and say go. I just feel like, as I said, Miami's got to be, you know, doing that for somebody. Maybe it's not Christian Wood, but, you know, Miami and Christian's been reported for the last month. I'm going to take a leap of faith and say he goes. I'm going to also go risky and say Christian Wood goes. I do Ooh. think the fact that it looks like Miles Turner is off the board, it kind of Good opens point. up the Christian Wood market a little bit. So I'm going to also be a little bit risky there and say Christian Wood goes. Let's go with John Wall. I'm going to say stays just because I don't want to get my hopes up. Oh, my God. If they can get an asset on both ends of a Russ Wall trade, Raphael Stone would be a legend. I just don't want to get my hopes up to that extent. I'm going to say he's gone for Russ. Oh. I, I'm calling it right now. Oh. I'm staking my claim. And when it happens, I will be the first person driving down to Polk Street to construct the statue of yes. Rafael Stone right next to the Hakeem Olajuwon statue. And I will team. say, if people are disappointed, and they are right now, I'm seeing a lot of, well, if the Rockets don't trade Eric Gordon, how bad would it make them look? You know, would it be a loss for Rafael Stone? Oh my God, if you can get an asset for John Wall, a guy that's been regarded as one of the worst contracts in the league, that pales in comparison to whether, you know, Gordon stays or goes. So as I said, leading off the podcast, it's all about perspective. It's all about recognizing, you know, it's not just about do you win or lose, it's about how important is the win or the loss. And if you could get something positive for John Wall, oh man, that would, that would be a game changer. Ooh, it would be, it would absolutely be a game changer. All right, we've got three more names on here. 
Daniel Tice, stay or go? I say go. Okay. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say stay because I said go with Christian Wood. Oh, that's I a good point. Think, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I do think that if Christian Wood goes, I think you do have to almost hold on to Daniel Tice as your your secondary big behind Alper and Shingun, just because Usman Garuba is still recovering from the wrist surgery. Yeah. You know, you you don't have another serviceable yeah. big. It, that's a good point. On. Uh because until the Miami thing earlier today, I was leaning uh stay on Wood. So, yeah, let me recalibrate. I'm going to go back, and I'm going to agree with you on that. Yeah, I think Ty stays because with him being on a reasonable contract for four years, you could easily revisit his market in the offseason or the 2023 deadline. There's no reason you have to move him now, especially if he's going to get playing time. All right. Two more to go. David Nawaba, stay or go? Goes. Ooh, I like that. I'm going to say stay. I'm going to be okay. a bit of a wet blanket on David Nwaba. I do think he's that kind of guy that, you know, very serviceable contract could easily fetch a second round draft pick, get to a team, give them some wing depth. Maybe not necessarily one of your top eight guys in a playoff rotation, but somebody that can at least, you know, be serviceable for the rest of this season and be a body to throw on the floor. Last guy, DJ Augustine. Stay or I, go? I think stay with a possibility of a buyout after. I just don't see at his cap figure, unless the Rockets have a bigger trade lined up in which they need his $7 million, I just don't see a guy who hasn't been in the rotation and is 34 years old having much of a trade market. So I say he stays. I think Nwaba could potentially get you, you know, like a protected second round pick. I don't think Augustine could. I think teams would just wait for you to potentially buy him out. I'm going to say stay for Augustine too, but I'm not, I'm not even going to say stay and buy out. I'm just going to say stay like, yeah, he, because his quotes to Fagan Houston. yesterday were really strong. And yeah. yeah, you know, unless there's someone, you know, people say clear out a roster spot for Deshaun Nix. No, I mean, you don't have to right now. I mean, he's on a two way and he's got, you know, you know, the 50 game limit, he could easily play the NBA the rest of the year. Now at some point you need to, because I think they view Nix as somebody they like to keep long-term. I mean, you could do that in the offseason. You don't necessarily have to clear out a, a roster spot to give Deshaun Nix some minutes on the stretch of the season. So if they, if DJ Augustine truly wants to stay, to stay, as he indicated to Fagan, then yeah, and maybe there's not a buyout. It just sort of depends on, you know, we'll see what the negotiations are when teams express their interest or don't express their interest to his agent. But yeah, I'll say definitely stays through the deadline. And then after that, TBD. And it's worth noting one more point here on DJ Augustine. Obviously, he's got the love for the city of Houston, but yep. also he is kind of the optimal veteran to have True. at the end of the bench on the roster. Da Daniel Tice isn't quite to that point, although he has been a consummate professional throughout his time here in Houston. And you know, after the 15-game losing streak and being a starter, now being relegated to the bench, racking up DNPs, coach's decision, like that's tough. He's not quite to the point in his career where you think, oh, well, he should be okay just being that veteran mentor. No, Daniel Tice is kind of in the prime of his career right now. Whereas DJ Augustine, you know, his his best days are a bit behind him. He's not going to be a contributor to a championship caliber team, you know, around the corner. Tice could still be a, a serviceable mm -hmm. backup big to a team vying for contention or, or playoff, you know, aspirations, that kind of thing. So I wouldn't mind keeping DJ around as that, you know, veteran yeah. locker room presence to keep around. Yeah, I could guys. see that. Well, Ben, that's it. We've cast our votes. If, you, if you're if you watching this on YouTube or if you're not watching on YouTube, navigate to YouTube. Go to the comment sections. Cast your votes for by which the way, players you think stay and which players you think go. By the way, one more bonus real quick, and we don't even have to explain it because we already talked about it. James Harden, stay or go? I'm going to say stay. I'm going to say go. Oh, okay. See, I, right. I, I, I knew we'd have a disagreement there. It's close. <laughs> I mean, this is as contentious in negotiations as I've ever seen. 
But ultimately, I just don't think that uh, that, that the Nets want to take the chance, not just about waiting until the summer, because we've talked about the risk of that is negative, but just, you know, what his play could mean for others on the team. I mean, that, that Twitter thread that went viral was just so telling, you know, his effort last week, which we saw, you know, a lot when he was unhappy in Houston. So I'll disagree with you there. I say he goes. And of course, that in the big picture of the Rockets is going to be the most impactful thing of anything that happens on Thursday. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. I, I love that we had some disagreements in here. It'll be really great. We'll get some bragging rights going, depending on what takes place at this yeah. deadline. But Ben, always a pleasure to have you on the show. You know the drill. Let everybody know where yep. to track you down at. Ben Dubose on Twitter, the Rocketswire on Twitter, and rocketswire.usatoday.com. Thank you so much, Ben. Always appreciate it. Thanks for having me. That's going to do it for today's episode. So ready for the NBA trade deadline to be here. We will have a reaction show up shortly after the NBA trade deadline. What happens, what doesn't happen for this Houston Rockets team, all of that. But as always, appreciate you for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast. Apple, Spotify, Google, Brand New Odyssey app, free and available on all platforms. Also, check out the YouTube channel. Go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets, like, comment, subscribe, drop a list. Who do you think gets traded? Who doesn't get traded? Drop your votes, again, in order that Ben and I went in. Gordon, Wood, Wall, Tice, Nuaba, Augustine, and bonus round, James Harden at the, at the end. Stay or go. Let us know in the YouTube comments. As always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.